This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We are we're talking about um, just this whole topic of consecration and the theme is consecration to proclamation. So uh, to be able to be used by God, we as Christians need to live a consecrated life. Um, and it's actually a massive challenge for, especially for us in the West. Now, if you speak to John, uh, yep, there at the back who travels, especially how many countries per year, and as a with part of the international ministry that he's part of, when you go to the Middle East and when you go to the East, you you find a very different type of Christian today. And it's not like we should say, hey, God isn't doing something here. Um, but sometimes when you go to the underground church in places like Iran or North Korea or places like that, um, you, you almost see a different way of living. I think also with the culture in the East, uh, people are much more dedicated sometimes if you go to India. I just came from India and, and Nepal three weeks ago. Um, and even there, the, the culture is you go to the temple early in the morning and when you come from work, you go back to the temple again. There's a the, the other religions almost like understand the power of consecration, uh, whether it's Hindus or Muslims or, you know, praying five times a day. Um, and I'm not trying to belittle other religions, but if, if other religions can understand the power of consecrating yourself and almost giving yourself to that place, setting yourself apart for gods that, do not even speak to you or they don't live or they don't um, I, th- I think more and more we as Christians should understand the, the power and the value of, of living a holy life and that's really what holiness is the scripture says that without holiness no one will see the Lord the Lord says be holy as I'm holy uh, I always thought like holiness is just somebody that walks around with a ro- white robe and sprinkles water all over the place and burns like these incense and that type of stuff. But that's not holiness. Holiness is a condition of who you are consecrated to. So, so I think if once we realize that as Christians we consecrate, uh, we set ourselves apart for the use of God, for the worship of God, to know God, um, that's where it starts. And so last week we... we read the scripture in Exodus 19. I'm going to read it again. How many of you were not here? This is not like a sin count. This is just to know how much I should repeat. How many of you were not here last week? Okay, the, the coffee is nice afterwards. You're welcome. Exodus 19 verse 3 to 11 and says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, This is now God speaking to Moses. So the, the people are trapped in the Israelites in, in Egypt. They've been under slavery for many years. Um, and thus he says, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if indeed you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So God just delivered them out of this system, out of the most powerful kingdom that was around um, Moses went straight up into Pharaoh's court and um, all the plagues were, was a challenge towards the gods. It wasn't just like nice things God did. It was the, the strongholds over Egypt. 
Um, they worshipped the Nile. They worshipped the firstborn. And so God outwitted, outperformed, if I don't, that's not a, a great word to use, but God showed himself powerful as the real God um, to set these people free. And now they're free. They've, they've just received salvation, a picture of salvation. The firstborn didn't die. The people came out of Egypt with the blood on the doorpost. And now the Lord says, you know, Moses, go tell them something. Just, just look at how I bore you on eagle's wings. How I, I took you out of Egypt, but with a specific purpose. I took you and I brought you out, not for freedom because of the freedom. I brought you to myself. <laughs> and once you come to me, then there's something different. You'll be a special treasure to me. And you, all the people in the earth will know that you are mine. And from that place, you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, I, I think a lot of the doctrine got wrong when people thought like, sure, God chooses us so that we're more special than other people. And that was not the purpose. God chose the Israelites so that he could reveal himself to them. And so then through them, he could reveal himself to the world and to the people out there. Would, would you agree? There's a whole covenant theory and all this stuff in, in the church that sometimes says, no, God just chooses us. You know, the other day, we, we, um, we, when we went, before we went to Nepal, and there's still a lot of people that, that even in our country, that believe stuff like that. Um, you know, the guy actually came to me and <laughs> sat me down and said, why do you guys go to Nepal? Because, um, you know, it's only white people that can get saved. And I, and I sat there and I thought, like, you're probably going to be shocked when you get to heaven because I don't think Jesus was white. He was like Kim and her husband, okay? You look a bit like Jesus, but I don't think Jesus had dreads on that. But um, <laughs> because of the, the sun and the color of, of, of their skin was, was different. It wasn't white, sorry. <laughs> you know. So I wanted to say that, but I had all the meekness in the world. I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just keep me from not slamming this guy because he's just ignorant. But, it, but it's amazing. And I, and I think a lot of people think, you know, are, are going to get shocked when they get to heaven and realize, like, God isn't a cultural God. God has got a different kingdom and a different way of, of, of thinking. And so that's, that's why he said, my thoughts are higher than yours and my ways are higher than yours. And so when we consecrate ourselves to God, it is to know him. And from that place, that's why I called it consecration to proclamation. From that place, once we set apart, it's for a specific purpose. It's so that the whole world can know that God is the real God. It's not so that we are more special and the sinners out there, you know. Um, it's, it's amazing sometimes when you travel. I think one of the most challenging uh, flights I took back, it was actually from also from the Middle East, and I was sitting next to a lady, and, and it's actually a very funny story. Um, it wasn't funny at the time for me, but this lady came down to Cape Town because she was going to open up a sex shop, you know, like uh, these weird shops. I've, I've never been in one, hallelujah, but, um, but she was going to open up a sex shop, and she thought it's great training to show her kids pornography, to just, you know, show them what the world is like and all that stuff. So yeah, I sit next to this lady, and at the moment when she found out I'm a pastor, she began to talk. She, her volume just increased, double, you know? So I thought, like, this is going to be a very interesting conversation. 
because she wanted to give me some tools or things out of her handbag. And I said, no, sorry, I'm not interested. But then she started to talk. But you know, when she speaks, then it's, it's amazing when you're not intimidated by people that are sinners. And, um, and so I increased my volume as well, you know. <clears throat> so eventually we had about probably 25 people around us that took out their earphones and everybody was like sitting more like this because they thought like this is going to be a very interesting conversation, <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> she just spoke about other things and I just said, no, you know, I'm intimate with the Lord and relationship with Him. And, and so I preached the gospel, but eventually it was this moment when everybody got off the plane, you know. Everybody's like, oh, that was interesting. The pastor versus the sex worker. I don't know what it was, but so... But, you know, so, so some people think like, hey, be, you know, we shouldn't be intimidated once we have the light, once we know who we serve and who we love and who God is. And, and I think um, there are so many isms in the church today because some people th- talk about the promised land and some people talk about the freedom and the deliverance and different ministries and they're all very important. But if we don't know that God sets you free to bring you to himself. That's why you received freedom, is to know him. And that's what he said yet to the Israelites. And once you know him and I know him and we have this relationship with him, there's a freedom to go out there. So when Bernard and him goes to the transporty guys, then, you know, I, re- I remember this one moment and we've seen God do amazing stuff there. There's one guy, he came from Belgium. Now in Belgium and France, these trans trances are big, uh, trans bodies are big. And so... So what we would do is we would have this tent um, just close to the dance floor and there's a lot of different tents and you can buy drugs and all this stuff. So it's just a freebie. It's like a yuppie type of movement, like the 70s almost. And um, so what we would do is we would take oil and then we'd pray around the tent every, every morning. So that was a four-day trance party. And so we'll pray around it, take oil, and then every day we would just walk around the place and we say, Lord, this piece of ground is a holy ground. We, we know this is yours, and whoever comes in here, we pray that they'll have an experience with you. They'll be set free. And so, around, there was, I think it was a Saturday after the whole night through of boom, boom music and everybody jumping around. This one guy walked into the tent, and then he had, his eyes was just like completely like shocked, and then he turned around and he walked out again, you know? Um, and this guy came from Belgium, he told us later. And so by Sunday afternoon, this guy ran into the tent. And this is what he said to us. He said, do you know what? I was walking past your tent the whole weekend to the dance floor. And every time I came past your tent, these thoughts came up. Because one day when I was in a hospital in Belgium, when I was about 14 years old, there was this little black book in the hospital. I think they called it the Bible. And I opened this up and I read there one chapter about Jesus. Um, I haven't really heard about him any, in any other way, but so I closed it up. But every time I walked past your tent, these thoughts dropped into my spirit or my life. These are the Jesus people. So, so I, but, but eventually I would like, walk around a mile because you know, there was just something it just felt like there was so much light shining from this tent that you, you guys have you know and eventually by the sunday he couldn't resist it anymore and he just ran in and he said oh, are you are you the jesus people 
um, and then we ministered to him and he gave his life to the Lord. Amen. So that's, that's, that's so amazing when, when we don't need to try to like have five fishes on our head and seven this or whatever, but because you live a consecrated life and because I live in a consecrated space that we know like, hey, we, we're supposed to be different as Christians because we know God. <laughs> Um, I think the, the most challenging question I can probably ask Christians today is just how does your life look different than the world out there? How, how's your life different than the, your neighbor? Oh, I'm more weird, you know. I, I, I don't do this and I don't. No, no, no. Just how is your life different? Because that's really what Jesus will look at. He will look at the fruit in your life. He walks up to the fig tree and outside of the season of figs, he, he says... Where's the figs? I'm looking for fruit. No, but Jesus, I say, I love you. I sing it every morning. I love you. I love you. I love you. But God is not going to look for how many times you said, I love you. Because he said, if you love me, you will be obedient. Sure. So God, and that is what he says here in verse 5. It says, therefore, if indeed you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be. So God's requirement, once we've met with him, is obedience. And that's really what discipleship is about, is to be obedient followers of Christ. And so he walks, he says, but then you shall be my special treasure, my special people. Then we read, and I'm, I must pick up some speed now because I haven't even started. But in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Do you know that you are special to God? You, you like God has put an investment in you. <laughs> But not an earthly investment. He says, you are my special treasure. And he says, you are my special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. And in verse 11, we didn't get to that last week. But this guy begins to, he says, I beg you, Peter writes it and says, I beg you as, and then he gives you a definition of the type of lifestyle. He says, as pilgrims, as sojourners. Okay, for all the Afrikaans mensen, wat van die Afrikaanse dienst ons vir oogend gejoin het. Wat is sojourners? Bram? So amper soos vreemdelinge. Hmm? Ja, alleen reisigers. Okay, so he says here, you are a pilgrim, you are on a journey. You are just passing through. And, and I think it sort of gives us a key there that we, if we want to live a consecrated life and we want to be God's special people, we want to proclaim it, then he, then he says, I, I beg you, you know, the, this world and the things of this world is going gonna, is gonna to tempt you and when you look at what's happening now, you know, you'll see the next couple of days, people just frantically run around in malls because they want to buy people stuff to impress people because they don't want to feel out. And then most of the time people don't use the stuff that they buy because it's too expensive, but because it's not really something, because something maybe they sell, you know. And um, I don't know if you've ever been to the mall in this week before Christmas. Oh, you know. It is crazy. People walk over itself and, and then they play this music. Have you ever been to the mall? They, they actually have a whole theory when you go to the mall. They've built, they build malls these days with high roofs so that it can feel like a church experience. Listen to the type of music they play in the mall. There's a whole theory, a whole way of doing stuff because they want you to have 
a holy experience. Because then you're going to open up your heart and spend. But there are these spirits hanging over there. They say, buy me, buy me. Have you heard them? Buy me. <laughs> no, that's just a joke. That's just a joke. You know, demons, buy me. The buy me demons. You know, so I hate malls, you know, because most of the time I forget what my wife tells me to go and buy. Um, but I don't like malls. I just don't like malls, okay? Some of you call it retail therapy. I just, I don't know. I, I don't call it that, you know. But, so, but he, he, this, this guy, Peter comes to this place and he says, if, if you, you want to live a holiness or you want to live a different way, you want to be a consecrated person, then it's not about a set of rules. It's not about saying yes to this and no to that. It's about a way of living. Because if I'm a pilgrim, if I am passing through, then it means my whole way of living is different than me staying at a place. Would you agree? So a pilgrim or a sojourner is somebody, he's on a journey somewhere. He's on a journey to a place that is different than where he is right now. It's, and therefore he lives a different way. And that's why we as Christians, because we are eternal beings, we live differently because we are, our reward is not here. We are living to please him. Are, are you with me? It's a, it's a very simple concept because some people say, be holy, be holy, so stop sinning. And, and in a way it's right, but you're going to miss the whole purpose if you just do right or wrong all the time. Then it's a, a set of rules that you live by. It's not because you know who God is, and it's not because you know that what you're living for. It's an eternal perspective. And I think that is one of the biggest challenges with the church in the West. We have lost our eternal perspective. We have lost, we are too rooted in this world with the things of this world. But when you do, like I did a wedding yesterday, and now when, I, when you do a wedding, I, I think it was wedding number 305, and the only reason why I know that is because of the register that I have. Um, I, it has never been boring when that, it's not once of these 305 weddings I did and probably 100 I attended. So that's, if somebody asked me, what's your hobby? I said, weddings, okay? That's what we do on weekends. Um, but so it's never been boring that moment when that wife-to-be, that bride walks down that aisle. It is, it is just probably the most holy moment that you can see something physically happening connected to the heart of God. And, and so, standing there, because now I always stand in front, and then the guy is normally, he gets a bit emotional and a bit shivery. But that lady, when she walks down that aisle, and she only has eyes for that bridegroom, it's, it's just like, it's like, especially the lady that walked down the aisle yesterday, she was in slow motion. She decided she's going to make, make this bridegroom wait, you know. Because it's like, and it's like fast music, but she takes half a step at a time. And she goes like this. And she walked down probably from that wall to here, you know. And it's just like, but she only fixes her eyes on him and she's just going for it, you know. But very, very slowly. You know, this guy was probably thinking like, come on, come on, get here, you know. <laughs> But um, those moments, all of now, I've got all the ladies' attentions and all the men just think like, yeah. 
But you could see, you could see that moment. And, and so when we lose that perspective of the bride and the bridegroom, we're in trouble as the church. There's a wedding supper of the Lamb. There's a wedding supper of the Lamb. And everything we do in this life will reflect on that day. Everything. And the bride is making herself ready. That's what Revelations 19 says. Blessed is he who is invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But you know, as the church, we lose that because we lose the power of consecration. We, 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 we want to settle. I don't know about you, but I sometimes want to settle. You know, I want to, I want to just say, Lord, I, I want to, I want some comfort. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to settle. And then the Lord has this way of just taking you out of your comfort zone. It happened to the church later when the church started in Jerusalem. They didn't want to go out. They didn't want to go and preach the gospel. So eventually persecution had to come. And God had to send them. Listen to this in Acts chapter 2. We all know this. That when he talks about Pentecost. Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So Pentecost was. Historically was a place where they gave the law. And agriculturally, it was the place where every Jew brought his first fruit, first fruits of the barley harvest. And, and it's, it's so beautiful, this picture, because God, when he sent, when he, he the, some people say the church started at Pentecost, but the church didn't start at Pentecost. The church was launched. Jesus started the church, okay? Um, Jesus built the church, and he's still building his church. But... There was something about this moment when the Holy Spirit came, which was also an Arabon or a down payment. Um, but it was amazing, the launch of the church, or the, when the church started to, to go into the world, there was a, a moment of consecration. There was a moment when Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go up now, I'm going to leave you, but go to the upper room. Why didn't Jesus just say, hey, go to, go to Nazareth, go to the place around the corner and you'll receive the Holy Spirit there at home? Uh-uh. He wanted them to go up to Jerusalem. The only problem I have is that 500 people or more got that instruction. And only 120 went. Because only 120 were probably willing to pay the price. <laughs> Willing to wait because when they went up to Jerusalem, there was some trouble there. Would you agree with me? <laughs> so they had to wait there, and then when they when they had, were in agreement, then the Holy Spirit came. But what happened to the other three hundred and eighty? They all saw Jesus going up into heaven. Now imagine you and I see Jesus going up into heaven. Whoa! Wouldn't you be excited and think like he's really God? Whoa, I will, I will live for him. I will do everything for him. And here he goes. And he says, one instruction, just the promise will come, but it's going to come up in the upper room in Jerusalem. Now, some were probably afraid. Some were probably busy. Some probably went home. Some probably were distracted. I, I don't know what the reasons were for 380 not going to the upper room, but only 120 went. And there they waited. 
Bible doesn't really say how long, but they waited at this specific feast, the feast of the first fruits, the feast of where every Jew came to Jerusalem. And as they consecrated themselves, then the Holy Spirit came. And from there, we see the church grow in Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses. In Acts 2, daily people were added. In Acts 4, even when there were tough times, they prayed for boldness. You know? They said, Lord, bring your fullness. And we read that in Acts 4, verse 29 onwards, where they, they spoke with boldness. But even the building shook. I have a friend in Indonesia, you know, he says every Friday night when they pray, the buildings shake in such a way that they don't even recognize it anymore. I think in the West, if we would like start praying now and the building would shake, we would all want to write a book about it. Take, you know, take out the phone and like, oh, it's, we're praying and it's shaking, <laughs> you know. For many of the church, it's just normal. Hello. Some of you are staring at me like, I'm on holiday. Don't talk to me about consecration. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because if we don't use moments like these where we quiet and we are on holiday, if we don't use that to consecrate ourselves, then we go into this next year and we don't have a word from the Lord. We don't have... We just go on with life. And we've lost this. But the church, Jesus taught it to us. He says, if you, if you want to... Have the fullness of God in the next year. You need to give him your first fruits. You need to make it a principle. Either if it's the 1st of January or the 2nd of January or in the first week if you still have holiday or if you don't have, then take a day off. Go into the nature and just say, God, what is your will for this next year? For my life, for my family. If we don't consecrate ourselves, how can we expect God to speak to us? Otherwise, it's a drive-through. No, no, I'll go to church. And do you know what? In January, I know the pastor will give vision for the, for the year. And that is great, you know? And, they, and uh, it's amazing. That's why we are in church. It's so that we can have a corporate vision. But you need a word from the Lord for yourself, for your family, for each of your children, because that word will carry you. But if we don't consecrate ourselves and we don't bring our first fruits to the Lord... We're in trouble because we, we really think it's a drive-by thing, but it's not. Jesus didn't just say, hey, this is wonderful. Yeah, Nazareth, you just go all go into the fields and just stand around and, you know, and then wherever you are right there at, you know, in Nazareth, there the Holy Spirit is going to fall upon you. Uh-uh. Why? Because he's waiting for agreement. He's waiting for agreement. And so when they come and they've consecrated themselves... Once way, they were in one accord. Agreement to, with what he says. <laughs> Agreement with a consecrated lifestyle. Then suddenly the Holy Spirit could come. We expect the supernatural, but then the natural is many times out of order. But you know what supernatural means? It means over and above the natural. So if the natural is not in order in your life, how can we expect the supernatural? Hello? I'm not hearing a lot of amens this morning. Are, are you on holiday? Are you just thinking? Are you like... It's a very quiet church this morning, but maybe it's just because the truth sometimes hurts a little bit. Okay, I want you to take out a notebook and a pen quickly. So, I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to do a John Yip on you this morning. Okay, you always ask these difficult questions. Whenever I phone him, he asks me three questions. 
I'm thinking like, I didn't phone you to ask you, but I say, thank you, John. Thank you, John, for asking all these difficult questions. The first question is simply, and this is quite a natural question for us. In this time, what fills your tank? What, what naturally, emotionally, and spiritually, what do you do to fill yourself Part of consecration is that you set yourself apart to actually do certain things to change the ordinary, busy, busy, busy lifestyle. You need to, that's why they closed up the doors in the upper room. I was there, I must tell you, the, the first time I was there was actually with um, Angus. We, he, he spoke at the Feast of Tabernacles, so I carried his suitcases. So we flew up to... To, to Jerusalem, it was one of those frustrating trips, you know, so we were in Jerusalem three days, and we basically walked from the hotel to the conference center and back, so I opened up the windows, and, and I always wanted to go to Jerusalem, to Israel, just to see everything, but for, for three days, I could just open up the window, look at the old city of Jerusalem and all the rest, close the window, and go to bed. I never got outside of the hotel. So we flew in three days, goof, after the third day, flew out again, you know, and I, I didn't even walk the streets of Jerusalem. So it was just like one of those frustrating moments. But the second time I said, Lord, give us a gap, you know. So, so he went to speak there again, and I'm just carrying his suitcases. So we were there for four days, and then the third day, we, he, you know, the, the guy that had to do a lot of video shooting the fourth day, and then the guy canceled the whole day. So just him and myself, and we took a little car, and we drove through the whole of Jerusalem. I said, thank you, Jesus. I hope the guy didn't get sick or something, you know, but the Lord answered my prayer. And so one of the two most amazing places we were, the one was in the Garden of Gethsemane, where these old olive trees was, but the second one was in that little upper room there in Jerusalem. And we were, went into this room. It's just an ordinary room, just full of stones and lots of stuff. But as we were there, just realized like Lord this is where they waited for you for many days so my question to you is are you willing to wait because those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not grow weary they shall walk and not faint Isaiah 40 verse 31 but the question is what what is the stuff physically that you need to do that will strengthen your physical body because we need to look at what we eat and how we train our physical bodies, and do we sleep enough? I, I, I it's very spiritual. A lot of people want to just be spiritual, but they say, this guy is so spiritually, so he's so spiritual that he's of earthly no use. You know. So we start with our bodies. God has given you a body, and you need to take care of this body. So maybe in the next week or so, think of stuff to take a break but to strengthen your body what fools fools you you know for some people it's doing maintenance i don't know how that works but some people love doing maintenance if you're somebody like that please come and talk to me afterwards i hate maintenance you know but if that really gives you time to rest and to just enjoy yourself then come and speak to me i'll make a list and there's a lot of work at my home that you can do okay i'll buy you everything that you need to <laughs> that's but um i don't like maintenance because i can't really properly do maintenance you know 
But some people just like to build stuff and do stuff. And that sort of strengthens them. It gives them a time to, to just recharge their batteries almost. So my first question is naturally, what are some of those things? Not just for now, but in your life that you need to build in. To, to just withdraw to live consecrated or to maybe, maybe it's just exercise. Maybe it's just getting out a little bit. You, we, you need to build in natural cycles. The second thing is, and this is the one we don't normally look at, is emotional consecration. What are some of that stuff that really drains you, you know, and what are the stuff that fill you? So you need to, you need to think of, if I really want to be used optimally by God, then sometimes I need to plan my life also that I have proper emotional boundaries. There's a big word called boundaries. Because, I don't know, let me use a practical example, so we're trying to get a bit practical today. Um, something like counseling doesn't come naturally to me. I'm more evangelistically in a pastor, but, but I'm not a good counselor because I'm more extrovert, so I'm not a very good listener. So, because so I want to give somebody the answer before they finish the, telling me what's the problem. You know, so, so just like, you know, I think the biggest, my wife and I have never in 20, need to get my dates right now, more than 20 years of marriage, we've never screamed at each other. We are not the type of fighting type of people. We more get what they say in African still staple. We just like withdraw and then, you know, like the elephant in the room type of stuff, you know. But um, I think the, the biggest challenge for you is, is when you are in a relationship and, and there's this emotional drainage stuff. You, 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 you know? You're sort of almost like you're not putting proper boundaries in your ex, something like expectations. So coming back to counseling, for me, I'm not a good listener. So you, in marriage, you need to learn to listen. You know? What did you actually say? <laughs> And, and you learn to ask questions like, okay, what did you actually mean by that statement you just made? Without just, you know, going in and running out. So, but for me, counseling isn't, doesn't strengthen me. So, so I would not counsel more than one or two people per day. Otherwise, I'm completely drained emotionally. And then, you know, especially because if you didn't know it, people in church have issues. Okay. They have big issues. We live in a broken world, and church is supposed to be a hospital, not a hotel, okay? So sometimes people come there, and then they share their story, and I sit there, and, and I just, the only thing I try to do is just to keep a straight face. Just like, Lord, this guy is telling me a story and it is crazy. I've never even heard that people can get up to this stuff. So, so, so my biggest challenge then in that counseling session is try not to show my face or not through my face show him that I'm shocked, you know. I'm just like, yeah. The Lord is, normally a good thing is to say the Lord is in control. He's sitting on his throne, you know. But so... So having, if, if, if I don't put proper measurements, say for instance for counseling and just do it for an hour or maximum an hour and not even more than an hour, but an hour and a half, then at the end of the day when I get home, I am so emotionally drained, I'm really useless. Now sometimes I need to teach Bible school in the evening, but now 
if I'm going to make this emotional stuff drain me in this area, then you know what's going to happen? Then I can't give tonight to my family or to Bible school where I need to teach emotionally. So I'm actually, these people are taking what these people need to get. So I'm, 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 because I don't live then with boundaries and proper understanding that I also need to consecrate myself emotionally and have proper boundaries. Okay, so I'm, I'm just giving this as an example. So I won't, in, when I started being a pastor in 2000, I would like counsel five people a day, but then I'm wasted for two days after that. So I had to learn proper emotional boundaries. But you know, the same with the people around you, with, in your workplace, you need to live a consecrated life because it's not your emotions. It's not your time. It's God's. So a lot of people are going to come to you that is going to drain you or they are going to completely just waste your time. Are you with me today? You know, so for instance, another practical example for us as a family, we don't spend more than four days with our in-laws or other family because we're just too trained after that. Four days, lacquer. We have great time, but after the fifth day, my parents begin to treat me as a little boy and they get frustrated because they get tired. So we just stay for four days, go away for three days, then we come back for four days again. And it's beautiful for our relationship because we've learned after four days, we're getting in trouble. Are you with me this morning? So it may sound like you're not talking about spiritual things. People, these things are very spiritual because if you don't have proper consecration methods in your life, then the devil is going to send people across your path that's going to train you, they're going to take all the life out of you, so that when you need to give properly, you can't. Because you are completely distracted or completely tired. The third thing is spiritually. What are the things that you need to build into your life? And we're going to give you three minutes to talk about this now so some of you think like yeah yeah i'm gonna just want to get out of the church no no we're gonna give feedback now in a little group okay so what do you do to spiritually strengthen yourself or consecrate yourself what are the things that would build you up you know for some some people it's i'm not just talking about input that you get but when you give also in certain areas you'll be strengthened you know, because um, that's part of the kingdom. When you, when, you, when you give and God begins to use you, you realize like, wow, this is my gifting or this is my passion. And if I focus just on the giftings and the passion God has given me, not talking about serving in general, then I'm actually strengthened because I'm not trying to be like somebody else. I'm not going to try to be the worship leader because I can't sing. It's going to be more of a deliverance session than anything else, okay? <laughs> some people are going to really be set free, but others are not going to be blessed by that, okay? I'll, I'll call some people here in front to come and sing. But, but because I know my giftings and I operate in these giftings and this measure of faith God has given me, I will be strengthened. And, and this is a good exercise for you to maybe do for next year because, hey, some stuff we need to prune, some stuff we need to say, hey, this is not my life, this is not my body, this is not my emotions, this is not my spirit, this is God's. And if I live a consecrated life, I realize I need to redeem the time. Because the most valuable thing God has given you is the time that you have. And it's His time. That's why the Bible says, redeem the time for the days are evil. And 
How many of you have said, wow, I cannot believe it's the end of December again. The year has flown by. <laughs> but if I would walk up to the average Christian and say, what was your spiritual goals for this year? And did you achieve them? Most people would just say, no, no, I, I, I didn't have any goals. Why? Because we've not learned to consecrate ourselves and ask God, but God, what is your desire of me this year? Where should I get involved maybe in church? Where should I serve? What, in what area should I grow? Maybe there's certain stuff I need to grow. So the Lord has challenged me and said, go and learn intercession because God wants to bring revival. And he told us by after August next year, there's going to be a real breakthrough. But I realized like, sure, as the church... Before there can be any revival, there need to be a culture of prayer. Prayer. Standing in the gap. And I realized, like, sure, we need to build into that. So now, when I drive to all these weddings, I have Tani Suzette Hutting's intercession tapes on, and, she, and I listen to hours just of intercession, and I read Dutch Sheets' intercession books, and I say, Lord, I need to equip myself, and I, I need to go and learn from other people that are doing it, you know? And now we've invited Tani Suzette for next year, July and August, and said, look here, we, we need an impartation from you to come and teach us how do we actually pray. Because we can talk about revival, but if we're not equipped, hey, it's going to mean nothing. Are, are you with me? Okay, so quickly, take five minutes. Talk to somebody next to you about those three things. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, what does it mean for you to, to fill yourself, strengthen yourself? In the Lord, what are what are the things? Maybe that I said, maybe it's not applicable to you. But let's just let's just take three minutes, three or four minutes, before we end this service. So will you just turn to somebody and, and say, and husbands, you're not allowed to say washing the dishes now drains me. Okay, they, they, you're not you're not allowed to say there's certain stuff we just need to do. Okay, so that's not that you can't say that and. Are you with me? Okay. <laughs> Some stuff we just need to do because it's part of life. You can't say it drains you. Okay, great. So, just two things before we're going to end. So, the one, the one is, a, I think, for many Christians, because our natural will is not in order, and we, we don't actually set goals and things out, then what begins to happen is things just fall apart as we go. There's not specific things we are trusting God for. And especially in the next two weeks, I, I want to encourage you, but challenge you. What are you trusting the Lord for? What, is, what are those desires that He's placed in your heart? Um, and, and then also to use this little, put up a diagram physically, emotionally, spiritually. What are the areas I need to grow in? What are the stuff that fills me? What are the stuff that really drains me? You know, tomorrow morning, we as a family are, are leaving because we, we have we've, we're five, one wife, one husband, three children, hallelujah. But three of, three of the family is very different than the two others. Now, my second daughter and myself, we are like extroverts, and we love doing things on holiday. So we just like, there must be an adventure, and something must happen every day, so... That's it. We, we recharge ourselves when we do stuff, you know. But the other three, or at least the other two, the oldest daughter and my wife, they recharge themselves by getting two books, disappearing in that room, and then just staying there for a week. 
reading books. And I think it's the most boring. So last year, no, two years ago, we went to this little farm place and there was, fortunately, there was a putt-putt little course, you know, putt-putt, like golf putt-putt. And two of the family members were lying in the house reading books and reading books and recharging their batteries. And the other two and a half was bored and we played putt-putt 50 times a day because we wanted some action. Yeah. Eventually we went to find some snakes in the mountain and that was like really action-packed, you know. So every year we, we rotate. So this year again, it's, we're going to this little place where there's nobody there and no, no phone reception and it's book reading week for me ahead, you know. So I've packed in some stuff just to keep myself and the other two and a half busy. But the other, there's every second year we do something adventurous, you know, and because we've learned to make space and room for each other. Because we're different and we recharge differently. And, and so there's a very natural thing Christians need to build into their lifestyle when you want to live a consecrated life. But if you read that scripture in Acts 4, it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats. Now, because the church lived in this spiritual space of we here because we've, we've seen God, we know who he is, and we're here to please him, to obey him. That's the highest form of worship is obedience. I'm going to say it again. The highest form of worship is not what you sing here on a Sunday, but it's when you're obedient to the will of God. And so we see this beautiful picture of the church. The persecution wanted to come against the church, and the people were threatening them and all that stuff. And now they don't pray for the persecution to go away. Listen to what they pray. Say, Lord, grant to your servants that with all boldness, we might speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. See, if you live in that space with God, then circumstance will never determine what's God, what God is doing and what is will. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.